From Bregman MD, where we're all about psych solutions, I'm your host, Linda Corley, and this is The Breakdown with Dr. B. Babies and toddlers are so much fun. They bring great joy to our lives. But as any new mother will tell you, there's also challenges and heartaches and sleepless nights. And Dr. B, the reason I bring this up is because my daughter is a new mother and also our director, Joel, is a grandfather of several babies. And so the other day we got together for a party, called it the Baby Bash, and our daughters had a few questions for you. So you want to take these questions on? Absolutely. I'm all ready. All right, because I know you are a child expert. So they wanted to ask you a few questions. So my daughter, CJ, who is visiting, has a little son. He's 10 months old. And we noticed that he's not sleeping through the night and he should be. He's a big boy. He's not hungry in the middle of the night, but he gets up. So this is her question. Hi, Dr. B. My name is CJ Smith and I have a question for you. My son is about 10 and a half months and he still wakes up about twice in the night. And it's, it's mainly because he doesn't know how to fall asleep without a bottle. And me and my husband were exhausted. What do you recommend helping him fall asleep, self-soothe without having a bottle? Well, you know, this is a real problem. I mean, waking up in the middle of the night, you know, for months at a time is a major problem for adults. And so I hear about this a lot in my practice. I use a variety of techniques. One, I use a behavioral technique get rid of the bottle. Basically, you're training the baby to um, not be engaged in its own taste and self-soothing activities, okay? We really want to stop this kind of behavior. We want the baby to be able to calm themselves down. I'm gonna give you some tips about that. And there are issues that go on when babies don't sleep. They're sick. They're overtired, they're overstimulated. But the thing that moms usually come to me uh, in more prolonged periods for this issue is separation anxiety. You know, that moms have difficulty and the babies do too in separating during these times. Usually milestones are four to six months, you know, 10 months now is over the limit. So we see that as as an issue. I see this as an issue and a problem. But you know what, it's something you can overcome because she's been with us for nine days. And I said, I am going to get this child to get through the night. So far, day six, out of two waking up in the middle of the night, right? Out of two feedings, I've eliminated one. And I get my advice from you because we've talked about sleep hygiene at least twice on this podcast. So I thought I'd incorporate some of the things that you've told me, like using organic lavender spray, okay? So the baby is soothed from a smell point of view, from an aroma, and that seems to have helped. Also, the baby was used to a nightlight, and I said, oh, you know, I'm just gonna eliminate the nightlight. 
make it dark. And then the other thing that I do for myself is take a nice bath before you go to bed. So we've been bathing him before he goes to sleep. And so far, like I said, we've eliminated one of the feedings. Linda, I think that's phenomenal. And you know, to have like a grandma together, you know, to give some advice, and it's great to see, you know, this happening and we're getting results. Speaking of results, okay, this problem is just as tough. And it comes from Sarah, who again, she's the daughter of our podcast director, Joel. And she has the most adorable little girl. Her name is Eden. And this is her question. Hi, Dr. B, this is Sarah Fisher. Um, I have a question for you. I have a four-year-old daughter that will not touch fruits or vegetables. She won't even try it, not even watermelon. She doesn't want it on her plate. She freaks out every time I try to give it to her. So what would be your suggestion for me to help her get to eat that stuff? Great question. Why kids don't want to eat vegetables? I have this a lot, especially nowadays. Your parents are very conscious you know, much more so about, you know, vegetables and so forth. Let me give you some evolutional insight. Really, we're all born to prefer sweets. What happened is in evolution thousands of years ago, the sour and the bitter things that uh, little kids put in their mouths were poisons. So there was something that evolutionary wise that eating sweets, you know, when you especially smaller, is definitely preferred. It's very important about this topic to educate moms. You know, it's like a lot of other things you do as parents. The parents got to be calm. They got to know they're the parent. They got to do this thing. And, and they see things you like. Okay, oh, mom is enthusiastic about her vegetables. She loves eating them. Mom and the kid, they help cook together the vegetables. Start even off with carrots that are a little sweeter. Have a good time. Be persistent. Don't make it a battle and you'll get there. Heck, my mother had me eating gumbo soup at three because she renamed it gumball soup. So it just goes to show you, you make eating fun. And then be persistent and patient because remember, they really don't like it. So let's move on and talk about another kind of nutrition. And that comes early in the baby's life and that's breastfeeding. Mothers, you said, come to you all the time with questions on breastfeeding. And so let's, let's give this a, a little bit of our attention. Uh, we know that breastfeeding is healthier for a child, but it's not always an option. So what do you tell mothers about breastfeeding? Do you encourage them to do it? This is a big topic in my practice, okay? What happens is I got a lot of people and patients on meds, and then the decisions have to be made to come off meds and stay pregnant. What do I do? Do I breastfeed? Do I get on meds? I am constantly having to deal with this dilemma. I don't give patients medications when they're pregnant. And this is what I tell them, and which is what I've seen. Nature seems to protect people like you. Most of the people, they do okay during pregnancy, even not on meds. If they don't, I'll send you to you know, certain people, you know, that really deal with that. So my thing has been 
You're not on meds, of course, while you're pregnant. And then after you deliver, then we have to deal with postpartum depression. And are you going to be on meds or are you going to breastfeed? Hey, Linda, I'm telling you, I send these people home to big decisions like this. Now, you know, there's a major thing about postpartum depression and things that happen with that. And so I'm very big on feeding on demand, you know, which is breastfeeding. And the major issue that I've seen in my practice is that kids do okay if they're not breastfed and the mom needs the meds. So it always has to be like a decision that has to be made by the by everybody in the family, what they want to do and continually to reassess that decision. Okay, so before we close out, I want to talk about feeding in general, formula on demand, as opposed to on schedule. Now, a lot of people really feel that the schedule part is important to sort of set up an individual's life of being on schedule, getting organized, you know, all of that. Why are you more of a proponent of on-demand? If you really look at a lot of the science and what's preferred by the American Academy of Pediatrics is that there are certain neurotransmitters that are in breast milk that are not in formula that help cognitive development. A lot of studies have shown that there's a big advantage of being on breast milk for cognitive development. It doesn't mean that all the kids who weren't breastfed aren't okay cognitively. And then, you know, mom eats different things, so the kid gets used to tasting different things, you know, that's in the breast milk. There's a lot of advantages, but I think that we have to be sensitive to, to moms. There's a lot of reasons why it's just not practical. And it doesn't mean we should beat moms up, you know, that didn't breastfeed. It's preferred to breastfeed at least six months if you could, but seems like the norm is around three months. Yeah, that's about what t- amount of time a working mother would get paid leave. It, 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 exactly. And I think that's how we want to close is remind moms that your babies feel your stress. So whatever your decisions are, just trust yourself take a deep breath and things will be okay right well said linda i like this format i think we should have more people calling in and asking questions well how could they get a hold of us well i would tell them to go on to your website which is bregmanmd.com and go to info and just email us your question but that brings up a good point i think i'm going to get a direct email just for this podcast so i will be giving that information in the next couple of weeks sounds great take care everybody from bregman md you've been listening to the latest episode of the breakdown with dr b if you'd like more information or to speak to one of our top psychiatrists just head to our website at bregmanmd.com to book a telepsychiatry visit from the comfort of your home. Hope you've enjoyed our latest podcast. Catch you next time.